0: Well, today we are going to continue our series on the book of 1 John. And it is a series that we've titled, That You May Know. And today we're going to be looking uh, at chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. And I've titled this message, That You May Know, That You Know Him. How many of you, if you were to look back over your life, And, you know, take a look at your walk with the Lord, can recall times where you struggled with doubts about your faith, or maybe just not feeling super confident in your salvation. Like, you might have had questions like, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Now, I've been walking with the Lord for about 29 years. When I did the math on that, that, that number seemed very large to me because I was like, I'm not even 29 years old. Um, so I was like, no, that's not, that's not possible. Um, but apparently it is. Um, I can tell you that during that, time, during that time, there have definitely been some peaks and valleys in my walk with the Lord. There have been some times when I was just walking really close with the Lord and other times when, when I was not. And I can tell you that as I look back, there were definitely times where I struggled in my faith. There were times that I wasn't super confident in my salvation. Am I really a follower of Jesus or not? Does he know me? Do I know him? And sometimes it was because of the sin in my life, right? It was because of my own decisions. And then other times, maybe it was because of just doubts that I didn't know how to deal with. Maybe I heard something, uh, you know, from uh, on on the radio or I read something on social media that kind of shook my faith and I didn't know how to deal with it, and so I struggled with doubts. Over the years, as I've had the opportunity to get to know a lot of Christians, I have found that most people have gone through similar periods like this, which is why the book of 1 John is so amazing. It's so encouraging. I I wish, honestly, that I had studied this book in depth long ago. You know, maybe when I was caught in the middle of those doubts and struggling, it would have been so good if somebody had sat me down and said, man, you need to read 1 John. This book was written so that true believers would know that they belong to the Lord, so that we would know that we know Him. Unless, of course, as we read the book, we discover that we don't really know the Lord. At which point, this letter really becomes an invitation, doesn't it? To come and follow him and get to know him and have a real relationship with God. John wrote this letter to encourage believers and to help them to have confidence in their faith and assurance of their salvation. He wants them to know. You know, no no hesitation. I know that I am his. By the way, if you are somebody who maybe right now, maybe you're going through a, series, a season of doubts, struggles, not sure about your faith, in addition to reading the book of 1 John, I highly encourage you to do so. But I also just want to tell you about a book that I just recently read over, over the Christmas holidays. It was a gift that was given to me. It's a book called Doubting Towards Faith. Doubting Towards Faith, The Journey Towards Confident Christianity. It's written by an author named Bobby Conway. Uh, I found it to be a really uh, helpful book on how to properly deal with the doubts in our lives. You know, doubts can either push you away from the Lord or they can push you toward him. And this book, I think, helps to push towards him. I I have a really good friend who would like to remain nameless, who is not at all ashamed to tell others how grateful he is to know God and to be known by God. And if you were to spend any amount of time with with this friend of mine, it would not take you long to be aware of just how grateful he is to have a relationship with the Lord, to be a child of God. And one of the things that I've heard him say over the years, and I had to write this down, is this. He says, I know that I am a child of God. And not only that, I know that I know it. And not only that, but I know that he knows me. Or knows I am his. i got to read it. I do get it wrong. And not only that, but I know that he knows that I truly do know that I am his child, undeniably so. Now hopefully you were able to follow that. <laughs> do your head like, like, I know that he knows that I. Know. OK, I got it. Isn't that awesome? To have that type of confidence? And, and listen, that is the type of confidence that the Apostle John wants every single believer to have in their relationship with God. That's exactly why he wrote this letter. He wants us to know that we know God and that God knows us. Now, before we look at today's passage, I'm just going to very quickly, I mean, it's going to be super fast. And when I do that, you're gonna be like, well, why didn't you just do it that fast last week? You know, I'm going to go through what we went through last week really fast. Ready? Last week, chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2, we saw that John wants the reader to understand that if we're going to have a relationship with God, we need to know and understand who God is and what he's like. So in chapter 1, verse 5, he said, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He says that God is in every possible way absolutely perfect. There's no darkness in God at all. The problem as we talked about last week, is that we are not, right? We're sinners. We're not perfect. We need forgiveness. We need a savior. And so in order for us to have a relationship with this perfect and holy God, we have to deal with the sin problem. It needs to be dealt with. And because uh, because sin does what? It creates a barrier, we talked about, in our relationship with God. Well, apparently... Uh, John had to address some false teachings that were circulating around this early first century church. And there were some bad teachings about sin and forgiveness. So John addressed some of those teachings in the verses we looked at last week. And uh, this is what he said. He said that those who claim to have fellowship with God but knowingly live in habitual sin are liars. It's not true. Then he said that those who claim that they no longer sin are self-deceived. And then finally, he said that those who say they have not sinned are calling God a liar and his word is not in them. So those were the false claims that we looked at last week. But on the flip side, however, we also looked at the biblical alternatives. And this is what he said. He said that instead of walking in darkness, we should walk in the light where we have fellowship not only with God, but we have fellowship with one another. He then said if, if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of my favorite verses. And then finally, John said that he was writing to these believers so that they may not sin. He wants us to pursue a holy lifestyle. He wants us to pursue righteousness, to live like Jesus. But he also wants us to know that, that when we sin and we will Jesus is our advocate, and he has already paid the price for our sins. That's the gospel, right? That's the good news. You know that good news uh, or gospel means good news. The good news is that Jesus has already paid the price for our sins and restored us back into a proper and right relationship with God, that we can have fellowship with God. And not only that, but that we can know that we know him. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So that's First John chapter 1, verse 5 through 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, which we covered last week in, what, two minutes, three minutes? So let's see if I can get through this section in two to three minutes. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bible with you and you haven't already turned there, chapter 2 of First John, we're going to begin reading in verse 3. Chapter two, verse three says this. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. John says that there is a way for us to tell if we truly have come to know him. The way is we keep his commandments. We keep his commandments. Before we talk about the commandments, let's talk about what John means by knowing him, by, by knowing God. When I, was, when I was growing up, I loved to watch basketball. I, I love watching basketball. In fact, I still, I still do. I don't think I watch it as much as I did then, though. Um, I think my boys do, though. Um, as a young man, I grew up in the 80s, um, in the 90s, and so it's probably not a huge surprise that I was a fan of Michael Jordan, right? I mean, how many other, anybody else here grew up cheering for Michael Jordan? Oh, five of us? (laughs) You're lying. You were all fans of Michael Jordan if you grew up watching uh, basketball in the 80s and 90s. Um, Man, I, I followed his career. I loved watching the dunk competition, the whole tongue hanging out of his face and I just loved watching Michael Jordan play. It was kind of like watching Tom Brady play. You know, you knew that if Michael Jordan had the ball in his hands at the end of the game, you, you felt safe. You know, it's kind of that way when Tom Brady had the ball in his hands, although it didn't pan out this year. So. <laughs> I could tell you a lot about Michael Jordan at that time. I knew a lot about Michael Jordan. I've probably forgotten a lot by now, but I used to know his stats and and all of that. I I really was a student of Michael Jordan. But here's the thing, I may have known a lot about him, but did I know Michael Jordan? No, I didn't know Michael Jordan. And more importantly, I feel pretty confident in saying that Michael Jordan did not know me. (laughs) You know, I mean, maybe he's watching this video. He's like, no, 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 I've been following you for years. I don't know. Hey, if any of you are friends with Michael Jordan, I am totally open to, you know, getting to know him and hanging out, maybe shooting some hoops together. I'm, I'm good with that. Maybe play some golf. I'll invite my golf friends over here to join us. It'll be great. But when John talks about knowing God, he's not talking about memorizing a bunch of facts about God, right? Like there's a lot of people who have memorized a lot of scripture, you know, and they've memorized a lot of facts maybe about God, but they don't necessarily know God. And John isn't talking about that. He's talking about having a real relationship with God, to know him and to be known by him. And John says, if you want to know that you know that you have this type of relationship with God, then you need to check your life. Look at your life. Take a look at your life and ask yourself this question. Am I obeying his commandments? That's what John says the test is, that those who really know God will keep his commandments. You know, I think that there's something, something that is supposed to happen in a person's life when they come to know God. There's a change that needs to take place and it's not something you can just wish, you know, but it's a sign when it takes place, you know that you know that something has happened. When you enter a relationship with a God who is light, as he described him in chapter one, that a God in whom there is no darkness at all, when you get to know this God, you cannot help but be changed. You can't be around him and not be changed. You'll think about life differently. You'll think about sin differently. You'll think about war differently, right? Your whole life changes when you really know God. And John says that those who know him will keep his commandments. It's not a burden. You want to. When you're around a God who is light, you want to obey him, right? Let's talk about these commandments that John is talking about. Is, is John, when he says he keeps his commandments, is, is he describing the Ten Commandments here? Is that what John is talking about? Well, I think maybe. I think it would certainly include that. I, I think to say that I'm, I have a relationship with God, but I break all the Ten Commandments, eh, probably not, you know? But actually, I think in the context of this passage and in the context of this book when John says that the person who knows God and knows that they've come to know him will keep his commandments I think he's talking about something else hold your finger right where you're at in 1st John chapter 2 and turn all the way to the next page to 1st John chapter 3 1st John chapter some of you are like I don't even have to turn it's the same page 1st John chapter 3 verse 23 verse 23 John says this, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded has commanded us. John says that that God's commandment is that we believe in Jesus and we love one another. Sounds a lot like Jesus' answer when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And here in chapter two, verse three, he says that we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So in other words, we know that we know God If we believe in his son, and to believe in him is more than just like, well, yeah, I think he exists. No, it's like I've put my faith in him, right? And we love one another. As you look at your life, is it characterized by belief in Jesus and love for his children? If it is, you can... Close your Bible, get up, walk out the door right now, man, because you know, you should know that you know him if that is how your life is characterized. By this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. John understood that right living matters. The way we live matters. John understood that obedience to God is evidence of a relationship with God. And so now in verses 4 through 11, as we continue through this passage, John is going to present the reader with with three proofs or three evidences that we've truly come to know God. And similar to the passage that we looked at last week, each of these three proofs is addressing the false claims that were being made by the false teachers. Let me go ahead and give you the three proofs right off uh, from the start. We know that we've come to know God. We know that we've come to know God if we obey his word, if we live like him, and if we love one another. These are the three proofs that John is going to lay out as evidence that you have truly come to know God. So let's look at the first proof. If we obey his word. Verse four. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected let's stop there one of the things that you're going to you're going to see and depending on your personality might drive you crazy is that as we make our way through this book John is going to continually cycle around and keep you know hitting the same thing over and over and just maybe saying it in a slightly different way. It's actually one of the hardest books in the Bible to sort of outline. Um, in fact, in all the, the studies that I've done to get ready for this series, I could not find two commentaries that outlined this the same way. This book is, is, is really hard to follow because John is like all over and he's running in circles and he keeps coming back and he's talking about light and he's talking about love and he's talking about abiding and he just keeps coming around and hitting them in different ways and saying it in different ways. And so last week in chapter one, verse six, John said, if we say that we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, while we're living in habitual sin, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. But now here in chapter two, verse four, he says something very similar. He says, whoever says I know him and to say, you know him is to claim to have fellowship with him, right? but does not keep his commandments. In other words, they don't walk in obedience. John says that that person is a liar and the truth is not in him. Very similar, right? Chapter 1, 6 and chapter 2, verse 4. John says, you can can claim to know God all you want, but if your life is not characterized by obedience, you are lying and the truth is not in you. So if we say that we know God, but our lives are not characterized by belief in his son and love for one another, John says it's just a bunch of words. And those words are lies. But in verse five, he says, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. It's perfected. If we've truly come to know God, we will walk in obedience to him. And John says that God's love is going to be perfected in us. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. I mentioned this whole idea last week, the idea of sanctification, right? As we walk in obedience to the Lord, he continues to work in our lives, making us more and more like his son, Jesus. As we keep his word, God's love, God's love becomes more and more evident in our lives. The, the love of God is being worked out in our lives. It's being perfected in us. We're getting to little bit, we look a little bit more like Jesus each day as we walk in obedience to him. That's kind of cool, isn't it? You know, have you experienced that? Like You're not the same person you were when you first started walking with Christ, right? Hopefully you look a little more like him today than you did when you first were introduced to him. John says that keeping his word and walking in obedience to the Lord's commands is evidence that we've come to know him. But listen carefully to what I'm about to say. This is important. We want to get this right. Obedience is the evidence of salvation, not the requirement for salvation. Let me say that again. Obedience is the evidence of salvation, not the requirement for salvation. It's important that we understand that, right? Because otherwise we walk out of here and we say, I got I to make sure I obey everything that God tells me so that I can be a Christian. And if that's what you walk out of here with, you missed it. You totally missed what John was trying to say. You're missing what I am trying to convey here this morning, The Bible teaches us that our relationship with God is not initiated by obedience, but obedience is the outflow of our relationship with Him. We obey God because we love God, right? We love Him. We have a relationship with Him. That's why we obey Him. Our relationship with God does not begin... It doesn't begin when we finally start obeying him. Like God's like, finally, he's obeying me, so now I can have a relationship with him. Listen, God. nobody would ever enter into a relationship with God if that was the case. You get that, right? You would not ever enter into a relationship with God if he had to wait for you to get your act together. Our relationship with God begins when we believe in his son. For, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, John says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Our relationship with God is a gift of God. According to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, you should just write it down, go home and read it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, right? We're saved by grace through faith. It's not anything that we've done, right? It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. The Bible teaches us that we are not saved by our works, but in that same passage, Ephesians 2.10, we're told we are saved for good works, good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so that we might walk in them. So you're not saved by your obedience, but you are saved for obedience. Does that make sense? And so according to John, the first proof that we have come to know God uh, is that we will really truly obey his word. We'll obey his commandments, which leads us to the second proof. We know that we have come to know God if we live like him. So let's pick up in the second half of verse five. Second half of verse five says this, by this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, in this second proof, John says that those who are truly living and abiding in him are going to walk like Jesus walked and live like Jesus lived. And he's using language here that Jesus used in John chapter 15. So for you homework lovers, all right? John chapter 15 this week. I want you to read that. John chapter 15. Actually, let me change that. I want you to read John chapters, uh, the end of John chapter 13 through John chapter 17. All right. This is a really important part of Scripture you, you should be familiar with. It's the farewell discourse. Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples. It's a really important uh, section. It's all, it's all important, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, John 14 through 17. So let me just read a few words from Jesus in John 15, though. In in John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus said, "'Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing.'" then in verse 8 he says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples now according to jesus in that passage the key to bearing fruit and fruit being good works right these are the good works that god prepared for us in advance to do right in order the key to to bearing good fruit is to abide in him to stay connected to Jesus. When we walk in obedience to the Lord, and when we follow Jesus and we abide in Him, our lives begin to look more and more like Jesus. That's pretty cool. And the trick is stay connected to Jesus and you'll bear fruit. Isn't that that's, that's the cool part about being a branch, right? The branch doesn't even have to draw the water out of the ground, right? The root, I mean the the, the, the vine does all that, right? We're just the branches. Just stay connected to Jesus and, and you will bear fruit. And John says that whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It should be obvious, right? You're connected to the vine because you're looking more and more like Jesus. I love, I love the, the story in the book of Acts when, when, when the, the leaders are like, man, it's so obvious that these people have been with Jesus Right, Peter and John, because they, they, they looked and they, and they acted like Jesus. And so they're like, these people have obviously been with Jesus. Earlier, the worship team, just a few moments ago, they, they sang the song Proof of Your Love. The Proof of Your Love. I'm not sure if you caught the lyrics uh, to that song, but um, read a few of them to you here. If I sing... But don't have love, I waste my breath with every song. I bring an empty voice, a hollow noise. And if I speak with a silver tongue and I convince a crowd, but I don't have love, I leave a bitter taste with every word I say. To waste, right? It's just words if it's not driven by love. And so then he says, so let my life be the proof, the proof of your love. Let my love be. Look like you and what you're made of. How you lived, how you died, love is sacrifice. So let my life be the proof, the proof of your love. That's quite a a prayer, isn't it? John says if we abide in him, if we abide in Jesus, our lives are going to look like him. The second proof that we've come to know him is that we will walk like Jesus Walked, And we're going to live like Jesus lived. Let's continue now to verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, if you're anything like me, the first time you read that, you go like, wait a minute. You're saying that it is, it's, it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment. But at the same time, it is a new commandment. So, so it's old? No, it's It's new. So it's new? No, it's, it's old. John, what is it? What are you trying to say here? I mean, like, what are you talking about? You're speaking in riddles, right? John says this is not a new commandment. It's an old one. At the same time, it's also a new commandment. So which is it? Well, in order to understand what John is talking about here, first we need to take a look back at the Old Testament uh, in the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, God told his people, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, I am the Lord. That's God's way of saying, like, in case me just saying to love your neighbor as yourself isn't enough. Let me just remind you, I am the Lord. So do it. Right. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. By the way, that's a fun thing to do when you're reading through Leviticus. Next time you're reading through Leviticus, take your highlighter and just un- uh, highlight every time he says, I am the Lord. You're going you're gonna to need two highlighters, right? Because you're going to run out of, of, of highlighter ink. It's very cool. Now, the command to love, so the command to love, it, it's, it's an old commitment, right? It, it, it's been around since Leviticus 19. However, in John chapter 13, which is again is part of your reading for this week, John chapter 13, right after, and this is important, right after Jesus and his disciples have finished the Last Supper, right? They're all having the Last Supper together. And you guys remember what Jesus did? He got down and he washed their, their feet. Remember that? After that, they they'd leave the upper room. And in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, we read these words. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What's, what's Jesus doing here? Jesus is taking the old commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. It's a good commandment. And he is raising the bar on that commandment, isn't he? The new commandment is that they were to continue to love one another in the same way that Jesus had loved them. Don't miss the timing, though. Jesus teaches them this commandment right after taking the form of a servant, right? Getting down on his hands and knees and washing their feet That's not what rabbis do, right? They get down and serve. Jesus turned leadership upside down, didn't he? What it means to be a leader. It means to be a servant, to put others ahead of yourself. In our our missions team meeting this morning, we talked about examples where Jesus did that. I mentioned the the fact that at the time, the feeding of the 5,000, right? You know the story. The disciples are tired. They're wiped out. Jesus is tired, but the people are hungry. And the disciples said, let's send them away. And Jesus says, we've got to feed them. At a time when he was wiped out, tired, Jesus dug deep and he kept serving and loving others. And we were talking about this morning, the fact that, hey, when I'm fresh, when I'm doing great, it's Sunday morning and I get here, oh man, I can serve really well. But when it's Sunday night, and I'm tired, and it's been a long day, and, 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 and dirty clothes are left on the floor, and dirty dishes are left on the coffee table, and you know, whatever the case might be, do I still have a heart to serve? Oh, let me get those plates for you, son. <laughs> let me take that out and wash it for you, son. Ain't going to happen. Actually, truth, truth be told, right now, my family is all saying, you're the one that leaves the dirty dishes on the coffee table, right? That's what they're thinking, but I'm not going to look at them. So the fact of the matter is, Jesus raised the bar with what it looks like to be a servant. Jesus continually and always poured himself out serving others. And let's not forget what's about to happen, right? He just had the Last Supper. He washed their feet. They're going out. Where are they headed? The Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to pour out his heart in prayer to God. He's going to be betrayed by one of his his followers, Judas. He's going to be dragged in front of the the, the religious leaders. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be hung on a cross, and he's going to die. He knows all this is about to happen. He is going to model the ultimate, the ultimate in uh, self-sacrificial living, putting others ahead of yourself. Wow. That's the new commandment. That's the commandment that Jesus is giving to you. Two chapters later in John chapter 15, again, this is still on that journey to the garden. In John 15, 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends, something he was about to do, you know? And the craziest thing, the craziest thing is he didn't just lay his life down for, 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 like, the apostles. He died for the sins of the world. He died for those who hate him. He died for the people who were spitting at him, right? Jesus died for the sins of the world, And so this is the new commandment that John is talking about, to love one another like Jesus loved others. And at the end of verse 8, John says that this new commandment, this is crazy. He says this new commandment is true in him, is true in him. You see that? It's true in Jesus. Jesus modeled it perfectly. But I love this next part. And in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What is he talking about? John says that the new commandment was true in Jesus. It was lived out perfectly in Jesus and in you. It was being lived out in these believers as well. They too were living out this new commandment to love one another like Jesus loved and that was bringing light into the darkness. Right? That's what light does, right? It casts out darkness. So, as we walk in obedience to Jesus, his light is carried into the darkness. And so, now having reminded them of what walking like Jesus looks like, having reminded them of the new commandment to love others like Jesus had loved, John proceeds now to the third proof that we have come to know him if we love one another. I think he set it up well. In verse nine, he says, whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Once again, John is is confronting a false claim that's being made by some of these false teachers. You can't say that you are in a relationship with God, that you know God, that you're walking in the light, and then hate your brothers and sisters in Christ. John says if you do that, you're still in darkness. You cannot hate God's children and simultaneously be walking in the light. John says that is not possible. That is not possible. And I guess it's important right where you're sitting right now to just ask yourself, do I have a brother or sister who I have not forgiven? Do I have a brother or sister who I am not loving the way that Christ loved them? And you you can't own their side of that relationship, can you? You can't. You can't make them love you back. But you must do everything within your power to be at peace with all people, right? This is heavy stuff, and I think it really hits home. That I think we are way too easy, way too quick to just excuse the the, the hatred that we feel for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But they wronged me. Yeah, well, you wronged Christ, and he forgave you. He loves you. He died for you. And we need to do the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. This is heavy stuff. You cannot hate God's children and walk in the light at the same time. He says that those who hate their Christian brothers and sisters is in the dark, are in the darkness and walk in the darkness... And do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded their eyes. In John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus said, the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. We want to walk in the light, right? We want to be in the light. But here's the good news. John tells us in verse 10 that whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. I love that. The third proof that we've come to know him is that we will love one another. Listen, we can't love each other. How in the world are we ever going to love the world? You know? John says we're going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we do that, we abide in the light. We're walking in the light. We're following Jesus and obeying his commands. Jesus is calling us to love each other the way that he loves us us. He's calling us to put each other first. He's calling us to serve one another, right? He's calling us to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness to one another. The same grace, mercy, and forgiveness that he extended to us. And John says, when we walk like that and we do that, we are walking in the light. We're walking in his presence and there will be no cause, he says, for stumbling. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The idea that when you're walking in his light, you're not going to stumble, right? You're not going to fall into sin while you're walking in the light. And you're not going to cause other people to stumble either. That's pretty cool. There's no cause for stumbling. When you're walking in the light and you're walking in obedience to Christ, you're not going to cause anybody to stumble and you're not going to stumble. That's pretty cool. I like that. The problem is I don't always do a great job of walking in the light. I start walking in the light and immediately the selfishness in me takes over, right? I drift back into the darkness and then back into the light and into the dark, right? And, uh, but if we stay in the light, we walk in the light, there is no cause for stumbling. Well, this is an incredible passage of scripture. I, I, I love the assurance that John gives here. I hope, I hope that when you've heard it, you didn't say like, oh gosh, I guess I'm not a Christian. I hope that's not what you heard. But if it is, that's between you and the Holy Spirit, Right? If you really just heard those things and those three things that, that John said, obeying his commandments, living like him and loving one another, if you say, that's not me, I think it's important that you, that you respond to that and say, well, I want it to be that. And the, and the answer isn't for you to walk in and say, I'm going to try so much harder. I'm going to do so much better. Like, no, you, what you need is a relationship with God. Amen. You need to know him. And when you know him, That's the fruit that's produced in your life. And if that fruit's being produced, not perfectly, not all the time. We mess up, but we have an advocate in heaven, right? Who's praying for us, interceding for us. But this should be the characteristic of our life. If we, if we, (coughs) excuse me, we know rather that we know the Lord, right? If we obey his word. We know that we know the Lord if we live like him. And we know that we know the Lord if we love One another. And if that's you, then then you can say with my friend, and I'll put it back up on the screen here you should be able to say, I know that I am a child of God. And not only that, I know that I know it. It's good to know it, isn't it? And not only that, but I know that He knows that I am his, think about that, that God knows that you are his child. And not only that, but I know that he knows that I truly do know that I am his child, undeniably so. That's some awesome confidence, isn't it? And that's what John wants for every single true believer in Jesus. Look at your life. That's what this book is calling us to do. Examine your life and say, am I his or not? And if I am, stop doubting. Live in that confidence. It's an awesome place to be. Next week, we're going to continue, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, it is good to know, it is so good to know that that we belong to you, that you know us, and that we can truly know you. God, thank you so much for the relationship that we have with you, a relationship where you are changing us you're teaching us, you're growing us, you're helping us to learn how to walk in the light and, and each day, hopefully more and more, we, we become delighted to, to obey your commandments and to, to live like your son Jesus and to love our brothers and sisters. God, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our lives. And God, I pray for those who are here today, for those who, who maybe they, they do know you but they're struggling, God, I pray that that by your word and by your spirit, you would take these words of John and you would breathe hope and assurance into their hearts. Draw them close to you. Help them to know that they know you. And if there's somebody here today, God, who doesn't know you, they don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself right now And that they would believe in your son, Jesus Christ. And that they would have love for your children. Your word tells us that that when we believe in your son, that we become your children. And so God, I pray today, if someone's here and they don't know you, that they would turn to you, that they would turn from their sins, Recognize how much they need you. And they would call out to you to be their Lord and their Savior. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior. Amen.